0: I saw water pouring out from the temple. I was led through water that was ankle-deep, knee-deep, waist-deep. Then a river, over my head, water to swim in. Wherever the river flows, life will flourish. The river is turning the salt sea into fresh water. The sea will teem with fish of all kinds. The trees on both banks will bear fresh fruit because the river from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing.
1: church. Can we welcome all our campuses who are joining us today? Great to see you guys. I'm Pastor Tim. So glad you're here uh, for our fall kickoff. I know some of you were here last week, some maybe new this week, but we're celebrating because our church had a baby. Can we just have an extra special welcome for Monmouth County? We're so glad you guys are part of the family. Proud of you and Pastor Chris taking Jesus to the Jersey Shore. Well, if you're new, this is actually the, uh, the perfect time to kind of kick the tires of our church because we just kicked off this um, seven-week series called Liquid Church, Six Powerful Currents to Saturate Your City for Christ and it's actually based on our book which just came out from uh, Zondervan this week. It's the story of our church and the unique things that the Holy Spirit has been doing uh, over the last 12 years. Um, This is kind of a leadership book and it's uh, chock full of all these kind of leadership learnings that work in churches of any shape and size all over the country. And so uh, our heart as a church you need to know it's not just about our church. We want to help resources, pastors and leaders and other churches to saturate their city for Christ. But the other thing is, it's our family history. We wrote this so new people in our church could really hear a little bit about our heart. And it's full of all these kind of real life stories of you guys, uh, our volunteers, families from every campus. And uh, in fact, this is kind of fun. Uh, this week I was told our story, your story, is now the uh, number one best-selling new release in church leadership on Amazon. So that's kind of, kind of fun. It's, uh, it's exciting to see the word get out there. and so. Um, this week, if you didn't get one, you can pick up a book at your campus. Don't tell Amazon. <laughs> but we're giving it for ten dollars because that's the author's discount. You guys helped write the book, so no profits to the pastor. Royalties is our family history, and we just want to celebrate what God's doing. So, uh, this book is uh, based on um, a powerful vision from the uh, Book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter forty-seven. And I want to just kind of refresh this for you, or maybe introduce you. It's says 600 BC, so 600 years before Christ lived. Ezekiel receives this vision from God, and he says, "In my vision, the man, and this is an angel, uh, brought me back to the entrance of the what? The temple. So this is the Jewish temple in the Old Testament. It's basically the church in the Old Testament. It says there I saw a what? A stream flowing east." from beneath the door of the temple. You got the picture? Ezekiel looks at the church, and there's water leaking out of it. In other words, it's a liquid church. Got it? And he says, what happened here? Someone, like, leave the faucets overflowing, you know, the pipes burst. And he actually goes on a tour outside of the church to trace where is this water going. And what he notices is that it's flowing deeper and deeper. In fact, he takes one step out into the water, and it's up to his ankles. And he's like, well, this is very strange. It's up to my ankles. He goes another uh, 1,750 feet and it's up to his knees. You guys remember this? Up to his knees. And then he goes another 1750. And it's up to what? His waist right here. And what we realize, this is weird. The farther the river flows away from the church, the deeper it grows. Can we say that together? The farther it flows, the deeper it grows. And that's kind of strange because I always hear Christians say, I want to go deeper. And they think, well, we got to go deeper in church. But the reality is God says, if you really want to go deeper, you've got to take steps out of the church to thirsty people who are far from God. That's who was thought to be living in the east—the enemies of God. These are the pagans. These are people who like live with no morals. they are they are they the word. It's like—it's like, it's like Long Island. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We love you, Long Island. Sort of. But the idea is that. It's a picture of living water. It's the Holy Spirit flowing out of the church of Jesus. And what starts as a tiny trickle, suddenly in Ezekiel's vision becomes this raging river, saturating everything in its path. Now, so understand what this is a, a vision of. It's a prophecy. It's a prediction. It's a prediction of the, in the Old Testament of the New Testament church flowing in the fresh power of the Holy Spirit. It's a river of God that actually, when it touches thirsty, barren things, it comes to life and is saturated. And that's exactly what happens. Um, Ezekiel looks and he sees this river. He actually says, it flows all the way to the Dead Sea. Some of us will go there next May in Israel, and when you do, you're going to see this salty, poison water where nothing lives. And then the river of God hits the Dead Sea, and what happens? Suddenly it becomes fresh and pure, and the waters are healed, and now there's fish in it, and there's trees growing up on the river banks, and these trees have this gorgeous lush fruit. All of a sudden, something that was dead comes to life. How many of you know when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings dead things back to life? It's the resurrection power of Christ. So this is a vision, and here's the promise of Ezekiel 47. This is the key verse. He says, life will flourish wherever this water flows, because it's living water. It's the living water of Jesus Christ, the grace of God. And my question to you was, what is dried up in your life that needs to be revitalized, that needs to be revived, restored? Maybe you feel a little bit flat to start the fall or spiritually kind of apathetic. What's broken in your life or your world that needs healing? Ezekiel's river of revival actually produces three things, if you just remember again from last week. Whatever it touches, it produces life. It also produces spiritual fruit, new salvations, and it says the leaves of the trees are for healing. Uh, the, this is, should be the description of Jesus's church. This is Jesus' dream for his church, that whenever people encounter his people and the Holy Spirit flowing through us, you and me, they'd say, it is so life-giving, man. It produces, I grow there, there's spiritual fruit, and it brings healing to the broken marriages and broken families. So this is a a dream of transformation. This is God's heart. He says, I want to see the people of God flowing in the power of God, going deeper in the spirit of God, flooding your community, your city with the love of Christ. And so last week I said, here's the challenge for our whole church. I dare you to dive deeper this fall. Even if you're feeling spiritually dry or kind of flat, you can dive deeper into the river of God by taking three steps. The first step you've already done today, you went up to your ankles by coming to church on Sunday. Give your neighbor a high five and say, good job. (laughs) Look at you. Okay, you did it already. You already took that first step. That's the easy part. The second step, you want to go deeper, you got to get in a small group. This is how our church works. We come together in a big group to worship God and hear his word. But then we get together during the week in a small group to dive deeper into the scriptures. We we open up the Bible. We go through it ourselves. We discuss what it means, how it applies to our life. We eat a lot together. We care for each other. We pray for each other. And this is kind of fun. We printed a group's guide. If you didn't get one, they're free. Pick one up at your campus. 52-page, full color. And we said, you know what? We want to give this away so that everybody who comes, even if it's your first time, gets in a small group. Check this out, new record. Last weekend, we had 1,000 new people join small groups for the next six weeks. Can we hear for them? That's awesome. You're going deeper, going deeper. Now, if you didn't do that, you still, it's not, you're not like, oh, I miss small group Sunday. That's okay. It's not too late. You can join one today. Just talk to your campus leaders. We will plug you in, okay? But the waist deep leads to the last one, which is actually doing the daily devotionals. You have to spend one-on-one time with God if you're going to hear from the Holy Spirit. And so what we did is we printed 42 days of daily devotionals for you to spend time growing your intimacy with Christ. And this is so critical, guys, because revival doesn't happen if you're not in these three streams. You've got to be worshiping with the body of Christ. You've got to be going deeper with a committed set of disciples, of friends who can speak into you. And you've got to spend that one-on-one time with the Lord every morning. Don't just come on Sunday and starve spiritually the rest of the week. Dive deeper in all three areas because you're not the end user of the living water. See, we we receive the grace and love of Jesus Christ, but it's supposed to flow through us to spiritually thirsty people. And so that's the other goal of this next six weeks. We called you and said, would you identify three spiritually thirsty friends in your life who don't know Jesus yet? They're far from God, but the Holy Spirit actually wants to flow through you to bring them the living water this fall. And I want you to look at this because this is so important. On page five of your guide, I said, would you write down the names over the next couple weeks of three people who are in your world and they may have given up on church, but they haven't given up on God. They're, they're thirsty. They're looking for grace and acceptance and, and purpose in life. And God has sovereignly chosen you to bring it to them. Because in the reality is, the church is supposed to flow out of the church to the people, not wait for the people to come up to us on a hill somewhere. Amen? So this is a group of, a, a, a series about personal evangelism. We're going to actually teach you over the next six weeks how to build a bridge. A bridge from your heart to their heart that Jesus can walk across. Does that make sense? Doesn't have to be weird, it can be as natural and organic as as flowing water. So we're gonna dive in today to the liquid river. And if you'll notice, L-I-Q-U-I-D, it stands for something. We're gonna begin the river with love. Uh, Loving the overlooked. So if you wanna turn to page 12 in your group's guide, we've got notes, we've got uh, discussion questions, and then we have your daily devotions. And this is so important to understand how Jesus started the church. He didn't find a building and say, all the religious people, come to me, and we will form a club. We'll have membership. We'll have potlucks. He didn't do that. Jesus began his ministry on the margins. He started with people that the world ignored, overlooked, said they don't count. They're flawed. They're bankrupt. They're morally questionable. Jesus said, I'm going to go to them, and that's how I'm going to build my church. He started by loving the overlooked. And I want to start today with a true story about a little boy named Ethan in our church uh, who turned seven years old uh, last year. He was excited for his birthday. Uh, Seven-year-old boy, right? His parents said, you can invite a few friends from school. And Ethan was really very, very excited because, um, well, he he was like, I'm going to have birthday cake. We're going to have Nerf Wars, you know? He was excited for his, his party. But the night before the party, his parents actually had to cancel it. There was a problem. Not one child RSVP'd. After sending out all the invitations, not one kid said, I'll be there, Ethan. What was the cause? Email, snafu, scheduling conflict? Ethan's dad told us this. He said, we were sad, but not surprised. It's been this way ever since our son was diagnosed with autism. Like one in 59 children in America, Ethan has a neurobiological disorder that makes it difficult for him to communicate clearly and interact socially with his peers. Now, now understand, when you're seven years old and words are hard to come by, so are friends. And so his parents had to, no choice. They said, we got to cancel the party. And his dad says, it was like a dagger to my heart, Tim, because Ethan had been rejected at school, but this one felt more personal. But here's the hope, church. This is when God stepped in and you guys stepped up. The church at its best, the family of God. Ethan's parents actually called our church office to just let us know the party wasn't happening because some of our volunteers were going to stop by. And so Pastor Susie, who oversees our special needs ministry, she said, no, no, this is unacceptable. She's like, every seven-year-old boy deserves a birthday party to celebrate the unique way he's made in God's image. And so that afternoon, our church flew into action. Uh, Some of our volunteers, you 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 just stopped what you were doing at work and actually ran to the store. You bought balloons and streamers. Uh, A group of our our small group moms texted each other, and and that group of moms, they just, like, descended on the mall for a spontaneous shopping spree. And they filled a cart full of toys and games and trucks, all the stuff that, like, Ethan's passionate about, hand-wrapped each gift, dropped it off at the church. And that Friday night, they invited Ethan to come to the church. And he walked in holding his dad's hand very quietly through the doors. Surprise! He was greeted by dozens of you cheering and clapping for the rock star he is. We had funfetti birthday cake, confetti. We played Nerf on our knees. We gobbled up cupcakes. Everyone was like sugared up, you know, and just celebrating with one very happy boy because for one shining night, heaven came to earth for that boy. All the social challenges that autism creates melted away like ice cream cake. As he was being celebrated, Ethan's dad wrote this on Facebook. He said, I I have to say something and let the world know what church really is. It's truly unbelievable. He said, can the love of Jesus be any more evident here? Ethan was supposed to have a party on his birthday. Sadly, it went to cancel. But then our church decided to have a special party for him. We are so blessed to be part of this amazing family. Ethan, uh, look at this. I love it. Ethan literally had bags and bags of gifts. Look at that smile. Thanks to the entire team, all the volunteers that love the kids with special needs, and his, gu- and his buddy Gabby for always taking care of our boy on Sundays. May God return what you have sown and shown. Hashtag truly blessed, overwhelmed, Liquid Church. Guys, who doesn't want to be part of a church that throws birthday parties for kids like Ethan? Amen? That's a, the church of Jesus at its best. Understand, if you're new, you need to hear my heart. We believe it is our our privilege, it is like our God-given passion to love the overlooked in the name of Jesus, specifically children with special needs, including, I mean, a wide range, autism, Asperger's, Down syndrome, ADHD, cerebral palsy. Understand, we don't actually view them the way the world does. We don't see them as disabled or difficult. Rather, we believe each one is uniquely crafted by the fingerprint of God to show us something about the Father's heart. And it's our job to actually celebrate their God-given gifts and abilities rather than define them by their limitations, what they can't do. And guys, let me tell you what an opportunity we have here in New Jersey. I mean, take autism, for instance. The rate of autism across the nation is 1 in 59 kids. In New Jersey, it's 1 in 34, according to CDC. We don't even debate, like, what's the cause of that? Is it, you know... Your chemicals or is it the, the social services? A lot of families actually moved to New Jersey because we have very good education. But we just say, what an opportunity to minister the living water and compassion of Christ to a group uh, that's often overlooked and who is spiritually thirsty. Can I ask and make it personal? Somebody in your family struggle with education, communicating, maybe they have a hard time socially fitting in? Because one in six kids in America now has a developmental disability. And we're just like, we feel like blessed to love and serve those special kiddos in Jesus' name. Some of you are like, that's so cool. What a cool vision as a church. Well, it's not our idea. We got the idea from Jesus. See, if you read the Gospels, all four of them, would it surprise you to know that 68% of Jesus' miracles involve people with special needs? They didn't call it that in the first century. They called it handicaps. (laughs) or disabilities in fact this week in your small group you're going to actually go through the gospel of mark and you're going to be shocked by the list of chronic health challenges that Jesus welcomed from paralysis to uh, shriveled hands to epilepsy blood disorders blindness in first century culture you get it people looked at those with disabilities as cursed by God God must not love them they must have done something wrong that's why that happened But Jesus flipped that on its head. He said, they're not cursed. They are blessed. They are the recipients of my father's special love. It says this in Matthew. It says, news about Jesus spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And what did Jesus do? Say it out loud, church. He healed them. Where does the river bring? The river brings life, fruit, and healing. Part of Jesus' dream for his church was that this was gonna be a counterculture community where those who are on the outs in the world become those who are celebrated and beloved at the heart of the kingdom. This would be the one place they'd be accepted and celebrated as glorious people of sacred worth. You know, today, serving families with special needs is uh, the heartbeat of Liquid, and it's beautiful. It is something the Holy Spirit grew up from the grassroots. It was never part of a strategic plan. It started, like the river in Ezekiel, with a tiny trickle, serving one child who was on the spectrum. And it has now turned into a raging river where we serve hundreds of families every, every Sunday across our campuses. This has become a refuge, a place of healing and rest for entire families, parents, siblings, all those who care for loved ones with special needs. And just hear my heart, guys, as a senior pastor. We will do whatever it takes to bring them into the the presence of Jesus. Bring them to the feet of our king, even if it means ripping the roof off this place. Yeah, Yeah, I want to look quickly at a passage from Mark chapter 2. And I want to look at this from the lens of how the Holy Spirit has really commissioned our church to have this kind of emphasis on special needs ministry. Here's what it says. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, his hometown, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was what? No more room, even outside the door. So you got the picture? Right, Jesus. He's preaching. He's healing. He's drawing crowds. The crowds are growing. He's staying in a small house, and now this place is packed. It's like you know, people ke- leaning over each other. And it says, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying who? A paralyzed man on a mat. You might be like, what's well, strange? Why don't they carry him like on a mat? It probably was like a bedsheet or something. Well, the answer is this is the first century. There's no such thing as wheelchairs. There's no access ramps, but this paralyzed man is desperate to get before Jesus. And so four friends are like, we'll bring him. And so they kind of like have a sheet or maybe like a kind of like a a burlap mat, and they kind of carry him over. But there's a problem here. Notice, (laughs) the place is crowded. Now, what's interesting to me is how many did it take to get this special needs man before Jesus? How many? Four. And that's why the majority of churches in America don't have a special needs ministry because it doesn't scale. They said, we can't even get one volunteer to watch 20 kids, and now we need four to serve one? Doesn't work. We don't have money for that. How many of you know God's kingdom doesn't work on math? It works on grace. It's all about the heart. And so these four friends, they're like, we're gonna get him there, man. (laughs) These, These four friends, they're like the Marines, you know? They're like, we are gonna cut a path through this crowd. We're gonna get our friend into the presence of Jesus. And we're going to make it happen no matter what we have to do, even if we rip the roof off. And basically this is what happens. Look what it says. They they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So what did they do? They dug a hole through the roof above his head. And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Now I want you to imagine this scene. Imagine this was our church, all right? Imagine, like, it's like, hey, guys, we, good news. Guest speakers speak. Jesus, right? And Jesus comes, and you're like, finally, someone knows what he's talking about, you know? You're like, woo, you know? And people, like, the word gets out. People are coming out 80 and 287, and they're packing it in. It's like, what's have Jesus is speaking, and Jesus is up there on stage, and he's, he's preaching. He's opening the word of God to you. He's basically, and God said, actually, I said, you know, he's like, I, I wrote the book, and he's explaining it, and the church is jammed, and he's holding forth. And suddenly, you see like a little bit of dust fall from the ceiling. And you're like, oh, that's distracting. And then, and then a little bit of mud falls. And then all of a sudden the lights start flickering. Next thing you know, part of a roof tile comes open. And you see a couple guys look down and you're like, hey, guys, Jesus, right? And you're like, what the heck? These guys literally rip a hole through the roof of the house. See, in Bible times, homes had flat roofs. They were made of mud mixed with straw. And so these four guys, they carry their friend up to the roof. They're like, screw the crowd. And they just dig this hole above the head of Jesus. And it says they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of the Lord. Now give it this, that's creative, okay? (laughs) If you can't cut the line, drop it from above, right? And people are probably holding their breath. Because, you know, there's mud falling on Jesus. (laughs) He's teaching the Bible. It's a worship service if ever there's a worship service. And I wonder, like, what's Jesus going to say? At this point, we don't know. I'm guessing, this is probably, by the way, Peter's house. Uh, some of you will visit when we go to Capernaum. Uh, Peter, as you know, is known for his anger, his temper. So you know Peter's probably like, get out off my roof, <laughs> you know. You knuckleheads, you know what you're doing. You're interrupting the church thing. And watch this, though, verse 5. Here's Jesus' reaction. He says, seeing their what? Their? Yeah. Seeing their faith, not the man's faith. Seeing the faith of his four friends who had a heart to bring this man with special needs before the Christ. He says, my child, you're my child, my son, my daughter. He says, your sins are forgiven. Which is kind of a weird thing to say, though, right? People are probably like, oh, poor Jesus. He didn't realize the guy can't walk. <laughs> like, that's why he's here. You, do you understand? He, Jesus, he's paralyzed physically. But watch what Jesus does. He looks beyond the surface physical need and sees this deeper spiritual need. He says, this man is like you, a child of God, and he has a soul that needs to know the love of the Father, the grace and forgiveness and acceptance just like you. How many of you know that spiritually, we all got special needs? We all got a problem. (laughs) There's a limitation we cut, our sin cuts us off from a relationship with God. And that's why Jesus came. He punches a hole through the roof of sin with the cross. He said, I'm going to reunite you to the Father. I'm going to heal your heart. But this man says, um, Look at this. I love this. Some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting in the back row thought to themselves, Well, what is he saying? <laughs> this is blasphemy. here here comes the church lady again. I don't know what's going on. She's like, here. (laughs) Only God can forgive sins. He's interrupting the service. (laughs) Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. (laughs) And so he asked them, why you question this in your hearts? You tell me what's easier. To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. everybody's quiet. He says, so I'm going to show you something. I'm going to prove to you. That the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, I can meet your spiritual special need. But watch this. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, <laughs> grabbed his yoga mat, and he walked out <laughs> through the stunned onlookers. Like, can you imagine the people, they just like part like the ocean. He's just like, yeah, bro. <laughs> Woo! They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, let's just read this together, church. We've never seen anything like this before. He's like, walking home, man, how you like that? How would you like to be in this church service? Would that be awesome to see that kind of thing? I mean, what's Jesus' posture towards people with special needs? It is arms wide open. It is heart wide open. Christ brings healing to brokenhearted people, both spiritual healing and physical. And guys, it's our vision as a church to do the exact same thing. We want to have the posture of Jesus and be the body of Christ where we have this place of radical inclusion and acceptance and healing that beats with the heartbeat of Christ. Now, I wish it were that way in most churches, but reality, it's not. In fact, when I was researching the book, I came across a uh, news report that really irked my heart. Um, I won't name the church, but it's a national ministry, um, and they made headlines because they, there was a 12-year-old boy in their service with cerebral palsy, and they actually removed him from the service because they said he's a distraction. It was Easter Sunday when it happened, and his mom said, you can see, Easter Sunday, he got all dressed up, he got ready to go, He's in a wheelchair, he has a vocalizer. No small feat for a kiddo like him. But according to the report, after the opening prayer inside the sanctuary, the boy voiced his own kind of amen. In other words, he, he had speech difficulties. And so he, he vocalized something louder, and it was distorted and it was muffled. And the point is this it didn't end on cue, it, it wasn't part of the service. And so church ushers actually rushed down the aisles and they grabbed the boy's wheelchair and said to his mother, come with us. And they wheeled him out of the service. And when the news got wind of it, the church said, well, we, we have a priority to have a distraction-free worship service. I don't know about you, that made me furious. Like I can feel my blood boiling right now. That made me livid because I couldn't help but think of those four men who loved their paralyzed friends so much that they rip the roof off the place where Jesus is preaching. I wonder if Jesus found this distracting. Instead of calling for security, he stops the sermon and says, object lesson, heals the man and the place erupts in praise. Guys, that's the kind of church we are going to be. We wanna see a national movement that this is a place of healing. We're all are welcome. Nobody is ever a distraction in the Father's house. Never. They are cherished, children of the King. And i just tell you, as long as God gives me breath, man, to serve as your pastor, we will rip the roof off at every campus to serve our family and friends with special needs. Now, don't blame that church, you know, for their ignorance, because sadly that ignorance is common today. The church globally is about 20 years behind the culture when it comes to this. It's sad, like education has had to catch up because of legalities, but churches typically way lag behind, and it's very common. um, As I say in the book, 32% of families with special needs have experienced rejection in church. That means one out of three families either had to change their house of worship or just stop going to church altogether because they were not welcomed. In a lot of ways, it's probably higher than that because one researcher says the population is unseen, they're invisible because they either never show up or when they do, they have a negative experience and never return. So if you're here today and you, don't have, you aren't blessed to have somebody in your family with special needs, um, you need to know what that pressure is like. There are daily pressures of parenting a child. Uh, the, uh, the things we don't know about that are invisible, the extra costs for medical care, special equipment, occupational therapy. You don't know about the educational pressures, the school IEPs and the you know, classroom support. Just the social isolation. I mean, normal activities like that you take for granted, like, hey, we're going to the mall, or we're going out to eat at a restaurant, are logistically complex, if not impossible. And then there's the long-term questions that generate a lot of anxiety for parents. Will my child ever be capable of working a job that uses her gifts? What about college? Will our child outlive us? Who will take care of him or her then? Guys, it's impossible to overstate the impact of a child with special needs on a family's whole life. So it can be very easy to blame the church that responded poorly, you know, to that boy's unique amen. But I want you to remember that even Jesus' disciples, they had to be trained by Jesus how to demonstrate mercy before they actually saw the light. In fact, Mark 10 says this, the people brought children to Jesus hoping he might touch them and the disciples shooed them off. Shoo, shoo. I mean, can you imagine this, right? Jesus is preaching, like the kids are like, Jesus, are like, back off, kids, back off, back off. But right? he's, he's very, he, God is very busy right now, okay? He's doing important adult stuff. Get the kids out of here. There's a reason they call them the disciples, right, okay? <laughs> what was Jesus's reaction? But Jesus was, what's the word? irate. The word is el furioso. <laughs> we think of Jesus as meek and mild. This is Jesus, hot and bothered. But Jesus was irate and he let him know it. Don't you push these children away. Don't ever get between them and me. These children are at the very center of life in my kingdom. And mark this, unless you accept God's kingdom in the simplicity of a child, you ain't ever going to get in. <laughs> Whoa. It said, back off, disciples. You get away. Shoo, shoo. Shoo the disciples away. And it says, then gathering the children up to his arms. What did he do? He laid his hands of blessing on them. Jesus had a hands-on, high-touch kind of ministry. Guys, ministry in the name of Jesus begins when we love the overlooked. When we open our doors, we open our hearts and create this This beloved family, this counterculture community of radical inclusion and acceptance for every child made in the image of God. And we really want to be at the spearhead of a national movement in the church that elevates and celebrates every child. And let me just tell you how we do that. Uh, On Sunday, at every campus, every child that attends this church with special needs, we pair them one-on-one with a trained volunteer called a buddy. We don't actually call them a classroom aide, we call them a buddy because that's what they are. We want them to actually be friends, but they are specially equipped to work with their particular learning style. Because every child learns, you understand that, right? Every child can have a relationship with God. The goal is for every child to be included in the mainstream classroom activities because they have a soul. They have a spiritual capacity to know God. And so we're like, we're going to do the hard work of understanding their particular learning style and language... So they can understand the love of Jesus in the language their heart understands. And so we train our volunteers to use a lot of tools like visual schedules, timers to help with transitions. You'll sometimes see kids in our church wearing headphones. It's not just because the music is loud. Sometimes it's an overstimulated environment. And so we equip every children's area with a chill space. It's a place where kids can cool down if they're overstimulated. We'll use fidgets to help them redirect or improve their focus. Can I tell you what this ministry means to families who are desperate for respite, for rest, for healing, for their mom and dad to come in and sit for maybe the only hour of their week where they can sit for an hour, hold hands, connect with their Lord, and actually hear the word of God, be replenished spiritually, and know their child isn't being babysat, but actually nurtured, and they're learning about Jesus too? Guys, it is literally life-changing. Just ask the parents of Grady Wachowski. He's the handsome nine-year-old little guy in there in the middle there. He's an amazing boy. Grady was born with Down syndrome, and he loves to wrestle. That's his thing. He loves to run around any room that he's in. But there's a little bit of a a problem. Grady is a high-energy kid. (laughs) And so he's been to a lot of churches, as you're going to hear from his parents, where they were not welcome. Because they said, well... We want to welcome Grady, but he's just a little bit too much for us. He has some bad behavior. In other words, they treated his special need like a behavior problem. And, I mean, just think about this. You're not behaving in the house of God. You should. Your children's running around too much. What do you think Jesus would say to this? They actually were rejected at several churches, deeply hurtful, and his family stopped going to church for about three years. And uh, as you're going to hear from his uh, mom, Aaron, and Father Paul, w- w- when they first heard about Liquid's inclusive environment, they were excited until they found out it was an hour and a half from where they live. But they said, a church alive is worth the drive. This is Grady's story.
0: I was deployed in Iraq. When I got back from my first deployment, I. Uh, did a lot of self-medicating with alcohol. We ended up moving back home to New York. Aaron dragging me to church and basically, there was an altar call and right then and there I gave my my heart to the Lord and it was an incredible experience and just overwhelmed with love.
2: I was 21 weeks pregnant at the time that Paul accepted Christ and that coming week we had a appointment to find out the sex of the baby. The doctor called us in and like a, he was sitting behind a big mahogany desk. He said to us, I'm sorry, your son has Down syndrome. You have two weeks to make a decision. The day I went into labor, it was a celebration day for us and we weren't scared at all. We just prayed, we prayed over, you know, my belly and over Grady.
0: It was an amazing experience to, to go through that. And we just, we really embraced it and we're just grateful for everything that was happening.
2: The church really did come around us, like they were praying over my belly and they were there for us. So, you know, the support was there and I felt it, it's like during the pregnancy, but then once, He got old enough to start putting him into Sunday school with the other kids. It was like, it was all of a sudden we felt like a burden. They thought they were doing us a favor by putting him in like a little plastic bin to play with toys. And it just broke my heart. We felt like it was best for Grady and for our other children to remove ourselves from the church. It made me question a lot of things about what is church? Why can't a family like ours find home in a church? Our marriage really started to struggle. We didn't have like a safe place to land on Sunday. We were navigating schooling with Grady now and he had been diagnosed with verbal apraxia for Layman's term is that his brain and his mouth, the signals cross. And so we did sign language and we would do, you know, the the Stimulation on the
0: mouth, oral stimulation.
2: I just wanted him to say, I love you. <laughs> or mommy, or you know, but we were just like out there <laughs> in this wilderness of life. And, you know, we love Jesus. We still love, we were still holding on to that, but it was hard. And when we went to churches, I just felt like they treated him like he was a bad kid. We often would like take him out of there feeling shame or feeling. that he like, was a burden. Like he was a burden or he was like a bad kid. He just needs a little extra guidance, and it was a lot for us, so. There was this sermon by Pastor Tim called The Seat at the Table. It brought us to our knees. It was all about how this church was going to make room for a child like ours, a family like ours. This is where we need to be, Um, and then I Google mapped it. Oh, it's an hour and a half from our home, okay? A church alive is... Worth the drive. Worth the drive. One morning, it was about a few months after we started going to Liquid, um, he had crawled into bed with me and he said, I want to go to church, please. And I was like,
0: Did you just say a full sentence?
2: It was his first <laughs> mind blowing sentence. I want church. You love church? And now he asked that same sentence.
0: All week long. All
2: week long. Every day. And Katie is his world. Yeah. So when he gets there, we walk through that front door and he's looking for her down the hallway. And then when he sees her, he sprints at full speed. Screaming to
0: her. her name. Katie.
2: <laughs> and he jumps on her and her and his little feet dangle and she swings him around and he is the happiest kid in yeah. the whole entire world. Like he is at home. Like he's home. And
0: Yeah, know? it's it's incredible. To he's watch. Home. They have, They have a really great relationship and she's been incredible with Mm -hmm. him and it's i can't tell you how warming it is just to see that the the amount of love and care that, that everybody in that ministry just puts into it
2: wow how our life has changed we went from literally feeling alone walking through the wilderness to the safe place to land after a hard week because the reality is the world does not make it always easy for us and knowing on sundays we have a place that we can exhale and me and paul can go into service and we can just listen and learn and and learn and be a part of it i mean it's probably it's one one of the biggest blessings of our life you know there's a movement out there and i feel it coming and it's called make a seat at the table for everyone at church i'm grateful that Liquid has made room for us.
1: We're here for Grady and the Wachowski family. Praise God for them. Praise God. Guys, that's who we are. Understand there will always be a seat at the table, a front row seat for kids like Grady, for families like the Wachowskis. You know, when those four men brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus, he... Went out of church. He walked out of church. (laughs) He walked out of church healed. You know, Grady had, as you heard, verbal apraxia. In other words, the the speech messages to his brain, to his mouth. I'll never forget when Erin told me, she said his first complete sentence was, I want to go to church. I want to see Jesus. We will rip the roof off to make sure that happens. For every child and adult. We want this to be a home, a haven, a slice of heaven on earth for families with with special needs. We're going to see marriages mended. We're seeing families strengthened, children blessed. And here's how I want to challenge you. On the bottom of page 13 in your group's guide, I want to challenge you. Because God wants to use you. Is there someone with a special need who's overlooked in your sphere of influence, in your world? I want you to think about that. Maybe it's someone that's very, very close. They're a relative. They're in your family. Or maybe it's your next-door neighbor. Maybe it's somebody you, who is at work. Who might God be calling you to befriend, serve, or bless lavishly? Take steps this week to reach out to them. I'm going to challenge you. Out of those three thirsty friends, I want to challenge you that one of them would be somebody, perhaps, who has special needs. That the world has overlooked, but Jesus has brought them close to your heart for the purposes of building a bridge. You understand? I want you to think about who you could add to your spiritually thirsty list, and instead of judgment and rejection, they get friendship in the living water. Now, how do you do that? Now, because I understand that can be like, some of you are like, well, how how would that happen? I want to call our ushers forward. We're going to give you a tool. It is a friendship card. I call it Grady's friendship card because we've got his picture on the front. So ushers, come on down, and I want you to pass them down the rows. Take one or two, however many you want. On the front, it says, I want to go to church because that's Grady's first full sentence. And on the back, it tells a little bit about our inclusive programs for children, for students, and adults as well. And I want you to be praying over the next six weeks about who to give this friendship card to, to somebody in your world, and let them taste the living water. Now, I understand for some of you are like, I- I'd love to do that, Tim, but it- wouldn't that, like, be awkward? Like how, do you- like, how do you actually do that? Like, do you just walk up to someone and says, hey, does someone have special needs? That's weird. Or, you know, do you try to, you know, diagnose someone and be like, hey, your kids look like that? Don't do that. That is insulting. It's offensive. I figure we need a little bit of training on how to do this properly. So I wanted to invite Pastor Susie Soares, who is our pastor over kids and special needs. We love Susie, she started the ministry. It began as a tiny trickle with just your son, and now it's this raging river with hundreds of families. Susie, tell us how we can build a bridge without it being awkward.
3: Yeah, so like you said, we don't want to be looking, but we do want yeah. to be listening for cues to dive deeper into conversation and use it as an opportunity to invite them to church.
1: Now, that's just interesting. You see the first thing you said? It's not about looking at somebody, it's about listening. Yes. Listening for what kind of stuff?
3: So, there are 3 knots that you're listening as as in negative, not the tying the knot. Like knot. don't do, <laughs> yes. okay? Please don't do these. So, when you're
1: having conversations, <laughs> what are the kind of knots you're, yes. you're listening for?
3: So, the first thing is you're listening for um, anything that has to do with things are not going well. And so this could be, um, you know, my child has been really sick and things are not going well. The doctors can't seem to figure out what's going on. Um, Things are not going well for my child in school. All the reading strategies they're trying just aren't working and we're all banging our heads at night trying to do homework. Um, Things aren't going well with my child's behavior and uh, we're at our wit's end and now it's impacting our marriage. So when you hear these cues, that's when you say, you need to come to church with me. That's when you pull out this card and you say, you know what? My church loves families and we would love to welcome your family into our church where your kids can experience an amazing Sunday because you know what? I was just like you. Now, time out. You don't have to have special needs to be able to invite a special needs family. You use your own personal story of what wasn't going well for you, and you came to church, and you were offered hope, and you experienced the love and grace of Jesus. So that's what you're listening for, that things are not going well.
1: Things are not going well. What is the second "not" we're listening for in conversation?
3: So the second is I was not prepared for this. This could be I was not prepared for my baby uh, to not meet milestones. I was not prepared for my toddler to uh, not speak enough words that now we're looking at an event evaluation of some sort. Um, Maybe it was I was not actually prepared for a diagnosis. And now we're completely overwhelmed. We don't even know what to do next. That was uh, the case for my husband and I uh, when our youngest son was diagnosed. We knew before we even walked in that office what was coming, but we had no idea what to do next after. So when you're listening for for I was not prepared for this, that could be in, in another form of, I was not prepared for my child to need special um, education or to switch classrooms or teachers, mm. or, um, or maybe it's an adult who has just aged out of the system. I mm. was not prepared for this. Now, you don't need to understand what any of that means, what I just said. <laughs> you just need to listen for those cues and lean into the conversation. And that's when you say, well, my church, we love to welcome families with special needs. We love for every kid to be able to meet and understand what it is to know Jesus in a hands-on way. We will tailor everything that we do for every learning style. Notice I didn't say special needs because depending on the family, they may not be there yet. Yeah,
1: and that's so important. And and we're we're training you in this, but it's so important. Sue has been a great mentor to me in using even people first language. It's not an autistic boy. It's a boy with... Autism. Autism. It's not wheelchair-bound girl. It's a girl who uses a wheelchair. We put people ahead of their diagnosis. So as you're sharing that with people, what's the third knot? Because this is the one that, again, in the book, we're seeing it's really uh, epidemic.
3: It is. Uh, So we're not going to church. We know that that's true. Uh, So many families uh, who are affected by special needs just do not go to church. They're wondering, uh, am I going to have to sit in the car with my kid if he is too much of a handful? Um, What's what's it going to be like? Are you sure that we're going to go through all these hoops just to get there on Sunday morning? And then what's going to happen? And so that's when you say, no, 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 no. My church loves to roll out the red carpet for families with special needs. And, and you want them to know that their experience here is going to be different than anywhere else. Um, a couple of years ago, one of our volunteers did this in a really, really sweet way. She had a coworker who um, was watching her and said, you know, I just noticed that you're always smiling and that you're always happy, and I don't understand. (laughs) Like, how does somebody always do that? And she said, "Well, it's because of my church. Like, I go into church and I just receive hope, and I, it carries with me throughout the week." And as she had this conversation with this coworker, she realized this coworker was a mom of uh, two boys with special needs. And so she said, "You know what? You need to come church with me this Sunday." And they did. And they're still here three years later. And mom so desperately just a small reach out,
1: building yes, a bridge.
3: So desperately needed Parents' Night Out. Parents' Night Out is once a month from 6.30 to 10, where we allow um, the families to bring their their kids with special needs but also their uh, siblings to have just an amazing time with us while their parents go and do whatever they want to do, nap, shop, we don't care what it is, just go have a good time because we know that when they come back refreshed, they're going to be able to better serve their entire family.
1: It's incredible, guys. Can we thank Susie for her leadership and your whole family? We're so grateful for you and Alex and your kids. Guys, this 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 is this tiny trickle of special needs is now a raging river. Uh, every Sunday now, one in ten children that we have the privilege of serving has special needs in this church. It is a key part of our vision to saturate our state and it's going to continue to expand you're going to actually see more and more people adults with special needs serving on the front lines of ministry Uh, at the door as greeters they may be serving coffee in our cafe there's eric there so you just make sure you go out of your way to say hi greet them high five we want to include them in every environment and help them use their one-of-a-kind gifts they have gifts to serve Christ in his kingdom. That's our heart as a church. We want this to be a place of healing where we will do whatever it takes, guys, to lead those who are overlooked to the love of their heavenly Father and bring them to the feet of Jesus. Amen? More and more churches are approaching us for coaching and training and resources. We just want to help lead a movement for churches to begin their own special needs ministry. Now, understand something about the church globally. Church is about 20 years behind the culture in this. Okay? The education led the way because they had to because legally... But we want to change that in the next generation. In fact, interestingly enough, two-thirds of our special needs coordinators and buddies are millennials. So for those of you who are like, millennials don't do anything. Millennials are changing the world, okay? They are, I am very bullish on millennials. They're going to change the world. They instinctively have a heart for this kind of specialized mercy ministry because it's such a tangible way to show the, the justice and the love of God. Both my teenagers serve as special needs buddies on the weekends. I'm just like, that's like the greatest thing that they do. So if you wanna serve as a special needs buddy, you wanna go a step deeper at your campus, just talk to our campus leaders. We will train you, we will plug you in. All right, so to close, we got a little surprise. We thought we can't just talk about like ripping the roof off and bringing you know, special needs folks to the feet of Jesus. We're like, we wanna do that in the worship service. So would you stand to your feet? All of our campuses, let's stand on up. Right now, let's celebrate our children, our leaders, our buddies, make some noise at every campus, welcome them into worship.